Welcome to Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. I'm your host, Brooks Meadows. If you're here in this show, you're definitely a fan of Chris Moore, affectionately known as the Barbell Buddha. Like many of Chris's fans, his work changed my life, and I'm on a mission to help people rediscover the amazing depths of his work. In coordination with his family, we're on a mission to shine a light on his work, share how it's impacted me and others, and help you rediscover the work of our buddy, Chris Moore. If you'd like to support the show, go check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere you find your podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a kind comment. Definitely check out barbellbooter.com to get a copy of Chris's book, to get a shirt or a mug. That money goes directly towards supporting his family. You can take action immediately on that. And if you'd like to reach out to us, hit us up on Instagram at Rediscovered, or you can reach out to Janie Moore at barbellmama or me, Brooks, at Brooks Meadows. We're taking you on a journey episode by episode for 100 straight weeks to rediscover the amazing work of Chris Moore, the Barbell Buddha. We hope you enjoy the show. Everybody, what is up? It is Brooks here. This is episode 10 of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. How are you doing? I hope you're well. This episode is called Throwing Off the Blanket. This is one of those episodes that at first glance when I was sitting and listening to Chris, um, it didn't necessarily resonate with me the first couple of listens, but like a lot of Chris's work, um, when you get into some concepts that are as dense as he is willing to bring forth, sometimes you got to claw at it, you got to tug at it before you start to really understand the, the true value and the lesson that he was trying to, to teach us. And so episode 10 was, um, you know, not exactly one of the most... Uh, 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 peppy of his episodes, uh, but it is very punchy and it is very um, uh, high quality uh, lessons and material. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can tease at it just a little bit for you by sharing some of my own personal experience. But uh, to to sort of start to summarize the concept um, that he was trying to present, uh, he speaks a lot about a. Uh, all different sorts of things. So I, I encourage you, if you haven't, go listen to episode 10 of Barbell Buddha in order to have some context for this episode. But he talks about the blanket. Um, and just the concept of the blanket was was pretty cool at me, uh, pretty cool to me. Uh, but he said that you know, because the body, the physical body that we that we inhabit, because it was built uh, under pressure of the womb, of the synovial fluid of the womb, that 
we inherently uh, have adopted this, uh, I guess, ingrained sensation of the pressure providing a sense of security or safety. And so when we go to sleep at night uh, after a long, hard work day or a nice, good workout or something, and, and you're, you're, you just feel the, the sleep creeping in on you, there's nothing better than laying in that bed and pulling the blankets over you and snuggling up into your pillow. And for whatever reason, I guess Chris says it's because it simulates a womb, in essence, that the pressure of the blanket is what provides such a secure soft feeling that allows you to slip very comfortably into sleep. But that sensation of it being safe is actually just imagined. It's an imagined feeling of security. Uh, it doesn't necessarily provide any more security or safety than us sleeping, say, on top with no blankets would, although it might be a little bit chilly. But for whatever reason, the pressure provides an imaginary sensation that we are safe. And that really blew Chris away. That something that we adopted to just understand was completely imaginary. And then he was able to start tying this idea of a blanket to our beliefs. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to follow you here. What he's saying is that many times our beliefs tend to provide a certain level of imagined safety and security, which is why we don't necessarily like taking the blanket off because we know that if we take the blanket off, we're going to feel very vulnerable and we're going to feel cold and, and, and uncomfortable and, and all of those things, right? So we like to stay covered, and I'm definitely going to throw myself into this mix. I like to stay covered in the warmth and security of my own beliefs. And, and so how does that impact us? Well, if we never, if we enjoy being comfortable and, and we don't want to have to go through this experience, then we just kind of tend to stay tucked in to our own beliefs. And that may work to our detriment in many cases. And he said, once you remove the blanket, what you realize after experiencing that initial sensation of, of cold and discomfort is that actually you're now in this ability to, to take unlimited action. Now there's an infinite amount of possibilities that could play out in front of you, all because you were willing to pull off that damn blanket and expose yourself, be vulnerable, get that naked ass out of bed, and try to do something cool. Um, and and I, I really, I, I, thought that that was, I thought that was really great. So definitely go back uh, to episode 10 and, and let him kind of walk you through that in his own words. Um, that, that's a cool concept just by itself. Um, but one thing that stood out to me from this episode is that he, he told us to, to test. He thought it was an amazing idea. He, he, he was imagining that we were talking about beliefs being the foundation, right? That we want to build the foundation of our beliefs on something solid. Uh, uh, and, if, and if our beliefs can't hold up to scrutiny, if they can't hold up to withhold, uh, hold up to pressure, that like, you know, we need to know that very early. And it's better to know that early and, and than to find out much later in life when you realize that your beliefs weren't, weren't actually questioned, your beliefs weren't actually scrutinized. And because of that, they, they actually weren't strong. They've, they've 
and he didn't say this, but they've atrophied, just like we do in training. We know that if we don't use something, if we don't use our muscle, we don't perform a movement, that over time our ability to, to, to produce that movement starts to deteriorate. It, it, it goes through a, a, a state where it goes backwards. It's the same thing um, with our beliefs. If they're never stressed if they're never challenged, if you don't have to wrestle and tussle with them a little bit, then you don't know its true strength. You, you don't actually know what's possible for yourself. Uh, and actually, you can't fully understand the depths of your own beliefs if you don't, don't question them. And Chris did an amazing job of really bringing this forward in his episode. So I, I've been very fortunate to have had my beliefs tested early and often. And I say fortunate because what feels to me like a stroke of luck, um, you know, you have people that come into your life that impact you in one way or another. And and while I've had many, many, many individuals impact me uh, uh, in all different types of ways, very few of them have have impacted me as much as, as my buddy Sam. And if you know me, if you've met me, it's very likely that you've heard me speak of, of my buddy Sam. And um, it, he was kind of the person that exposed me to alternative ways of thinking, uh, alternative perspective, and really exposed me to the benefit of, of travel. Um, if I can give you a little bit of history, uh, I went to Christian Brothers University here in Memphis, Tennessee. It's a very small Catholic university, private university, that while at first glance you probably wouldn't think much of it, it actually is a very diverse campus, and um, because of that, it, you get to meet people from different cultural backgrounds, and of course, you get to challenge your own beliefs in a safe container. Um, but Sam, Sam had something about him that, you know, at first glance, he, he, he was very under, under-assuming. Um, ethnically Asian man, uh, Korean man, but grew up in, in South America, so Spanish is his first language. And, um, you know, you learn to speak English at school, and he lose, moves to another country and learns to speak uh, uh, Portuguese, and he's speaking Korean with his family. And so he already he's the type of person that has lived up until the time that we've met in the 18, 19 years that we lived before meeting each other, a completely alternative version of life. Like, could not have been different than me growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, speaking one language barely, depending on which part of the state you're from, if you can understand our southern twang. The, the, the difference in, in, in life growing up to that point, it, it, it couldn't be more dramatic. Um, I just wanted to set that. The second is, Although uh, I, I tend to agree with Chris on college necess- not necessarily being the way for everybody, one thing I, w- I have to give college credit for is that it provides opportunities for travel. Uh, and maybe we spend more time worrying about whether or not we're getting drunk or you know trying to find a mate or whatever, whatever. Actually, college is an amazing way to find your way overseas, abroad. I have a cousin. Her name is Daisy. Hey, Daisy, if you're listening. Love you, dear. She's now living in England, and this is all facilitated through her university. And now she's finding herself having a complete different perspective on life because, you know, at a young age, she's had her beliefs being challenged often and regularly. So 
I'm, I have this opportunity to go overseas with school to Spain, and you get to know people in class for the first time. Sam and I are meeting for the first time. I know he's a soccer player. I'm a baseball player, yada, yada. Um, but I don't think much of him. And he kind of made mention that he spoke Spanish. But in our, uh, in our culture in, in, in Memphis, you know, or maybe in the South, somebody says they speak a second language. Really what they mean is they took it four years in high school, and they can speak some phrases, and they believe that they have some level of fluency in that language. Language, but uh, uh, when Sam said it, he really was like, "No, it, it was my first language," and, and it didn't. I didn't know that at first, and so we go on this trip, and right away I know things are different because he's like, "Hey, yeah, uh, I'm gonna meet you guys in Spain. I'm gonna visit some friends uh, in in Europe," and, and I'm kind of going, "What? Who is this guy?" Uh, and, and then we get all all over there, the class, the, the group of Amer- American students who have never done anything like this and are all in our big group, uh, and, and, and Sam doesn't get off the plane. And we're like, oh, uh, okay, I don't know what, what, what we're going to do. Um, so we just leave, and we leave him, and he doesn't show up, and so we move in, move on. We take about a two-hour bus ride into the middle of like a small Spanish town, and uh, about six hours later, Sam just turns up out of nowhere, and we were like, how did you find us? And he goes, I, I speak Spanish. It's my, first, it's my first language. I just asked somebody how to get here, and I took a bus. And, and that trip... Being with someone who, at such a young age, traveled independently, was multilingual, it it opened up a gateway to experiences that otherwise, by myself, if left to my own devices, could never have had. And to have that at such an early age, I I see now, has been such a blessing. Since that time, Sam and I have traveled to Jamaica together, to Mexico together, to Korea together, to Thailand together, and each time we do... Uh, the amount of experience that you have with one, with an individual like that, but two, in so many different cultures, you realize very quickly that our belief about how things are supposed to be and how we're supposed to live, they get challenged so dramatically. And that's one of the best things about traveling itself is that it challenges your beliefs. You have to look other human beings in the eye and to tell them who are living their life and trying to love their family and trying to create things for themselves that in some way what they're doing is wrong. Um, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, I, I, I challenge you to, to, to go and try to have that conversation. Uh, it's not gonna go very well. It's very arrogant to think that our one way of being is the one and only way. I'm not saying you can't prefer our way of life, but to say that it's the only way, that's... That, that doesn't stand up to scrutiny, man. That, that just, it just doesn't. Sam had a great way of describing how travel can expand your kind of your mind and your perspective. And, and he, but he, he said it in such a, such a great way, and he's probably pulling it from another language and it doesn't fully translate. But he said sort of like, it's like my eyes are like onions. And, and, you know, each time I travel, I just get another layer peeled back one at a time. And it just makes things just a little bit more clear or closer to the truth. And uh, I just thought that that was, I thought that that was great. Um, you know, just to see things a little bit more clearer each time you travel, to have your beliefs scrutinized and challenged in your face is, is such, although uncomfortable, the blanket's off, remember. Although it's uncomfortable, it reminds you that there's unlimited possibility for yourself and that you get to make that choice for how you want to show up. Um, you know, you don't you don't have to go to work. That you, you get to go to work. Or if you decided you you could be a monk, 
you could you could uh, uh, you know move on to a journey where you you know non of non attachment where you get rid of all your things and you move to a monastery and you take care of the monastery and the monastery takes care of you and you can live in a solid uh, you know live in solitude or with a small group of people forever like you have that option um, and traveling traveling is a is a great way to to have those things challenged um, but what it also does is that it it makes us look back on our old beliefs and, and to see that, you know, in a moment we can believe something to be the truth, the one and only truth. We can believe that. But over time with new experiences, you know, we start to be able to poke holes in those beliefs. And uh, I think Chris mentioned, you know, eventually you, you realize that you might not even believe it to be true at all. In fact, you might find it to be completely untrue for you where you are in your life. Um, I have Chris's book here. You're going to hear some pages uh, wrestling around. Um, but I just want to read something uh, from the chapter in Way Past Strong called Throwing Off the Blanket. Um, this is a, this is a wa- really wonderful paragraph, and I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm gonna get my, my voice warmed up, and I'm, I'm going to try to do, do Chris some justice, see if I can... See if I can take care of this. Here. Here's the thing about feeling right or wrong. Your definitions inevitably shift as you age, grow, and learn. But the world all around is largely the same. It hasn't changed. You've changed. You've got a different history now. A new set of scars. You've seen new things. As Marcus Aurelius reminds us, everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. Thanks, buddy. Very wonderfully written. I hope that uh, the spoken word gave you justice. Um, I really enjoyed that quote. I was reading it this morning before hopping on the podcast. Um, but I also have one more thing to share. Uh, I want to get Chris on the microphone um, and and I, I found something in the episode. This is the this is the nugget and pearl. We're gonna get this dialed up. Um, but this is this is Chris really just driving home the point. And um, while I fancy myself a talker like he does, um, I, I I know that he's gonna be able to deliver this lesson much much uh, simpler than I can. So buddy, it's your time to shine. Tell him what's up. Uh, you know, in the end. Because I've had this opportunity to travel a bit, because I've aged a little bit and had some turbulence, I'm able to, to see just firsthand how fragile my, my version of the truth can be. And I know, I'm reminded that, like, even if I could right now, you know, pick up something that's perfect and true and honest and hold it in my hands, <clears throat> and I look at it and know, wow, this thing is so amazing and so beautiful and so perfect, that experience of mine informs me that just a couple months down the line, maybe, I'll look back at this thing and see the flaws. Then maybe a year down the line, I think it's just ridiculous I ever thought the, what I thought. <laughs> you know, not always, not in a pessimistic way. It's just, a, again, it's just a warning that, well, not even warning. It's just, a, it's, it, it raises your awareness that so much more could be possible. That, and that it's, it's liberating to know that things can change. You give, you're giving permission to see things differently in time. That you don't have to search down this list of perfect variables. And I think that's pretty, well, I think it's fantastic. You do have this moment where you have to pull this blanket off. It's, it's, it's not so pleasant, but 
what you're left with is just a sensation of freedom. Like there's all these potential degrees of freedom around you, decisions and beliefs and philosophies you can construct. It's just, in my view, it's liberating. You don't have to find the one thing. <laughs> that was never even requested of you. There was not the one thing to chase after. There's infinite things to, to, just to, with, with happiness and, and pres, presence of mind and you know, good fucking attitude. There's thousands of things that go out there right now. That's pretty fantastically, really, really amazingly awesome and true. Is that right now you don't have to be any one version of anything. You can just, as I said before, really just wherever you sense the energy coming to you from, you know, any kind of project or cause or job or whatever that's, that's driving your passion now <clears throat> and making you fucking love life, that's, that's perfectly fine to do right now. You know, it's one of countless different possible paths. It doesn't mean that even if that thing didn't work out, that the next path is, is, is now a better one. It's a really awesome and liberating idea. In the end, you know, you got to let go of this shit and be free to flow and travel as you please. You know, with that, you can just do untold amazing cool shit. Yes. With that, you can do untold amazing shit. Thank you, buddy. Uh, yeah. You, it's true, man. You, you really can. Um, and even if you don't travel, just remember that you can always choose to dismantle the assumptions of what you feel like your life has to look like and what's possible. Um, don't, don't lean away from the discomfort. Chris tells us time and again that that's where the magic is. And I think the more that we start to poke at that ourselves, the more we start to practice that ourselves, we're going to see huge dynamic changes in the way that we are able to just show up in the world and challenge and get better at the things that we want to get better at. That's it for this week. Thank you again for following us on this journey with Chris Moore on his 100-episode catalog. I appreciate the support, and we definitely look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.